This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day again. Thanks for joining us. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. Today I want to talk to you on this topic, doing things we don't want to do. You know, if we want to be all in for Jesus, sometimes it means that we need to do things that we don't want to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. I encourage you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can gather, that we can come under your word. Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would use what I say for your purpose and glory. Lord, as we open your word, as we look at the words of Jesus, that that you would speak to us and that you would show us the way you want us to live. Give us ears and hearts open to hear from you. And Father, give me all that I need to, to present this message clearly. That will help lots of people in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been uh, leading LifeGate Church for 12 years now. And let me tell you, there's lots and lots of things I really enjoy about being a pastor of LifeGate Church. I love to be able to do what I'm doing now. That is to encourage people to live a life that, that, that honors Jesus. I get to sit down with people one-on-one and talk through stuff, their difficult stuff, and help them honor Jesus with their life. I get to encourage people and speak life over people. I get to recognize giftings in people and give them opportunities to serve. And I just love to see people flourish. I really do. That's a big thing for me. Seeing people flourish is just what I love to do. But as the pastor of LifeGate Church, there's, there's some things that I'm not real wrapped in doing, as it says here, doing things we don't want to do. There is one main thing that I have to do as a pastor that I don't want to do, and that's uh, That's conflict. You know, as a pastor, my job is to lead. My job is to shepherd. My job is to care for, protect, and take a congregation forward. And every, every now and again, we are running into a situation where one of the leaders of our church isn't um, making great choices. Let's just say it that way. And as the pastor shepherd, the one who needs to protect the church, it's, it's, it's my role to go to that leader, to tap him on the shoulder, and, and, and have a conversation about some of the choices they're making. And let me tell you, that's really hard because that's usually a conflict situation. It's usually gentle. It usually goes fine. But it's something I really don't like to do. It's, it's, it's really hard. Another area of conflict that I find really difficult is, uh, is sometimes leading this church. You know, as a pastor, as, as, as the lead pastor of this church, I'm called to lead, which means setting vision, setting direction, so that the people who, who are under my leadership can live in the freedom and the purpose that, that Jesus has for their lives. And that means we need to keep changing things. It means we need to keep heading in, in our new directions, trying new things to, to, to get God's people and those people who are not yet God's people on the path that he wants us on. And that means change. And some people don't like change. And sometimes it's difficult to get people on board to help people move forward, which can, also, which can also end up in a, in a conflict situation. But as I said, this, this, this conflict thing is part of my job as a pastor. As a pastor, there's many things I love to do. There's also things that I just don't want to do, but I have to do it because that's, that's the role. And I reckon that's true for all of us. We all have parts of our lives that we need to do that we just don't want to do. Now, that could be true at home. That could be true in your place of study at school or at university. That could be at TAFE, or that could be in your workplace. 
where you where your boss, where part of your role um, is for you to do some things that you simply just don't want to do, and that can be hard. Let me give you a, a list of those things. You might be in a situation like I talked about where you, where you need to have conflict with people. It may mean cooking meals or cleaning the house or, or, or getting the kids to do their chores, like emptying the dishwasher. Man, that is such a thing in our house. It could be in the, in the workplace or your business around setting goals or sticking to a strategy or sticking to a budget. If, you, if you're a young person and you like wearing shorts, like my son does, wearing long pants could be something that you don't want to do, but it's necessary sometimes to do that. It could be cleaning your room, could be tidying your house. It could be many, many things that we, that we go through in life in the situation that we're in, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our places of study, even in our friendship groups, where we need to sometimes do things that we don't want to do. But it's also true as followers of Jesus. You know, as a follower of Jesus, God sometimes calls us to do things that we don't want to do. He wants us, he wants us to do it, but we're not that excited about it. And the reality is, if we want to be all in for Jesus, if we want to live a life where we're all in for God, it may mean doing things that we don't want to do. We are in our All In series. And as we've talked about being all in, we're talking about living lives that are all in for Jesus. We started with this text from Colossians chapter 1 where Paul the Apostle writes about Jesus and it describes him as all things have been created through him and for him. And this verse gives us so much clarity around why we exist. We exist for him, to live a life that pleases him, where I work out life's not about me, but actually it's about God and his story, and he invites me to be a part of his story. We Then we looked at this text from Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus talks about the greatest commandment, and he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, loving God is not just a part-time thing, a casual thing. God wants all of our lives. And then last week, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this text from Luke chapter 9, where Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower, must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You know, here this, in, this, in this text in Luke 9, Jesus is talking about living a life that's all in, where, we're, where we are deliberate in laying down our agenda, where we're saying no to our fleshly desires, and we say, okay, God, what do you want for my life? Where I lose the, the, uh, the uh, things in this life that are fleshly, the things that I want to do that, 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 that don't honor God, I lay those things down. I say, God, what do you want with my life? How do you want me to live? What choices do you want me to make? And go after them. And by doing that, we will gain eternal life. That's what Jesus says in that text. It's about living a life that's all in. And as we talked about living all in, there's two parts to it. The first part is this. There needs to be a desire within us. There needs to be something that that is within us that says, God, I want to live all in. Because the reality is none of us are perfect. We all fail, but God's looking for a desire that says, I want to be all in. And if you want that desire, God can give you that desire. And I encourage you to pray, God, give me a desire that's all in. And the second thing is about being deliberate, where we deliberately make choices, where we are all in for God, deliberately make choices that please Him.
You know, as we talk about this, this, this all-in thing, you know, some people might think of it as, as, as oppressive, that we need to lay down our life, lay down our choice, lay down our desire to honour God. Some people can think, well, is that God squashing us or is that oppressing us? It's, it's, it's not at all. It's, it's actually the opposite of that. It's actually freeing and, and, and life, life in abundance and life to the full because God is our designer. God is our creator. And it's as we align ourselves with what the, what the designer wants, what the instruction manual says for our life, we're actually setting ourselves up for our best life because we're following the maker's instructions. A creator, a designer knows how something should function, knows the best way it should function. It's like cooking a cake. Someone's created an incredible cake and they give you the ingredients. And you have a choice then to either follow the ingredients or to create your own version. And when we follow the ingredients and, 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 and follow the method and get the oven at the right temperature and let it cool down properly and do all the right things, we end up with a perfect cake, a beautiful cake, just like the designer instructed us. But when we put in plain flour instead of self-raising flour, we put in caster sugar instead of normal white sugar or brown sugar, it messes it up. And so it is with our life. You know, by living for yourself, it's like putting ingredients into our life that, that our God never wanted for us. But it's only as we are lay down those things and choose God's way of living, choose loving people and loving God, using our time, using our finances, using our relationships to honour God, then we're living the life that he wants us to live, which is life in abundance, which is our best life. Living all in is your best life. You know, in this series of all in, we've looked at lots of different people and we've looked at different areas of their life where they were all in. But the reality is they all got it wrong in, in, in certain areas of their life. But today, we're going to look at the one who, who never got it wrong, who lived an all-in life and is the perfect example for us, and that is Jesus, the ultimate example of living an all-in life is Jesus. If you want to look what an all-in life looks like, look at Jesus. Look, open the Bible up. Go to Matthew, go to Mark, Luke and John, read the Gospels. Read his story, read his life of how he's deliberate to live an all-in life for God. I remember when I was a kid, I was given a, a model. Um, um, it was a model Spitfire. It was, I think it was a Christmas present. And I opened it up and inside the box, there was the plastic frame. We had to break off the bits of the, of the plane and there was glue in there and I spent a few hours putting this together and, and gluing it together and then getting the stickers and the labels and, and putting the stickers on this plane. And when it was finished, I put it on top of the bookcase and, and, and I admired it. And, and the thing about these um, models is that they're replicas of the, of the real thing, that they're mini versions of the real thing. They remind us of the real thing. And as we talk about Jesus, Jesus is the real thing. Jesus is the real deal who lived an all-in life for God and we are to be like the little models. We're to live lives like Jesus, where, 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 where we are copying the way he lived, where we are studying the way he lived, and we use that as our example, the thing that we go after. And as we look at Jesus' life, we see some incredible things. See, Jesus was all in. We see it in his humility. <laughs> Jesus was God in flesh. He was fully God and yet and fully man. And as he came to earth, he could have carried around all his godness and all his power, but he chose to lay 
um, lay that down and become a full, a fully man on earth, fully God, fully man. And he chose to be humble. He didn't strut his stuff around saying, aren't I great? Aren't I incredible? No, he was humble. It was, it was an incredible way to live. We see Jesus was all in, in the way that he loved people, in the way he accepted people, in the way he treated people, in the way he had compassion for people. He was all in for God because he loved people. He was all in because of the way he shared the message of Jesus. Um, shared the message of Jesus. It was his story, wasn't it? He, as he shared the message of the kingdom, where, where Jesus is God's king and God the Father is setting up a kingdom where Jesus is the king and people get to enter that kingdom by faith by putting their trust in Jesus. He shared the message. We are see his all-inness in that he had intimacy with his Father God. He was all in his relationship with God as he goes and he spends time in prayer, as he goes to the temple, as he, as he teaches about his Father. And then we see Jesus' all-inness around his obedience. And that's what I want us to look at today. Jesus' obedience. See, Jesus lived an all-in life, an all-in life where he honoured his father in, in every area. He did the exact thing that his father wanted him to do. And that's what Jesus says a few times. When uh, Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, this is what we read in verse 34. He says, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him, that's his father, of him who sent me and to do his work and to finish his work. Jesus has come that he may do the, the work um, and to finish his father's work. Yeah, that's why he's come. It's around an obedient life. In John chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking to the crowd, he says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That is his father's will. He's, he's here to live a life where he, a life of obedience to his father, to do the will of his father. The passage I want to take you to today is right at the end of Jesus' life. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the Thursday night. Jesus is about to be arrested. He's about to be beaten, flogged, put in front of the religious leaders, the, the Roman leaders, and then the next morning to be executed. And what we see here is a, is a wrestle within Jesus. He knew what was about to come. Flogging, beating, and crucifixion, the most torturous way to die. And within him, he's like, God, is there another way? His father, is there another way? I don't want to go for the flogging. I don't want to go for the beating. I don't want to go for the crucifixion. Is there another way? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross because of the pain, because of the agony. Remember, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And yet, he chooses to do the thing he doesn't want to do. And that is to obey his Father. That is to love humanity and give his life for us. Let's look at this from Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 through 39. It says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
And then in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, as I said, Jesus knows what is ahead of him. In Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus says Jesus, that he's going to be arrested, that he's going to be beaten, he's going to be flogged, then he's going to be crucified, and then he's going to rise again. In Mark chapter 9, he says he's going to be arrested by the chief priests and religious leaders. He's going to be beaten, flogged, crucified, and rise from the dead. In Mark chapter 10, the same thing. He's going to be arrested, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be flogged, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to rise from the dead. Jesus said it over and over again in his ministry. And he gets to the point where it's about to happen. He's about to be beaten, arrested, beaten, flogged, and then crucified. The most horrible and torturous way to die. And in verse 38, he says to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow because he knew what was about to happen to him. To the point of death. He's so concerned He's so stressed by this incident. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. And then in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup or this event, this, this, this thing, this cup, this, this thing that I'm about to go through, may be taken from me. And then Jesus prays, yet not as I will, but as you will. See here, Jesus did the thing he didn't want to do. Jesus did the thing he didn't want to do. He chose to go to the cross and die and to be arrested and beaten and flogged and die on that cross and have hand, nails through his hands and through his feet and hang, hang there naked on a cross. And then not only was there pain and agony through his body because of the pushing up and the, and the holes and, the, and his back being removed, all the flesh being removed and that being pushed against a cross and all the physical agony of that, he then takes on the sin of the world, all our wrongdoing, all our guilt, all our shame. He takes it on himself because he chose to honour his father. He did the thing he didn't want to do for us and to honour his father. See, see the, uh, the uh, good news is that Jesus died for humanity. The Bible teaches that even before creation, it was decided within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit decided that before they were going to create, that Jesus was going to die for the sin of the world. It says that in two places in the Scriptures, in 1 Peter in the book of Revelation. It be, before creation, it was decided. And God created, the Father, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit created no, anyway, knowing that the son would die. And, and the world is created and man's sin and people rebel against God and the, the guilt and the shame is so great that nothing can do with our sin. No person is good enough, even bulls and goats, bulls and goats and birds in this creation that's been marred by sin. None of them are good enough to take our sin, to deal with our sin. So God himself comes. God himself comes in Jesus Christ, the man, God, the God-man, Jesus. And the man who lived the, the sinless life, the spotless life, the only one 
who could take our sin upon himself and so he dies in our place to take my sin and your sin upon the cross. And then he didn't stay dead, he rose from the, he rose from the dead and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father giving new life to everybody who comes to him in faith. But in that moment, on that Thursday night, when Jesus was on his knees, knowing what was about to happen, he said, God, is there another way? This pain, this agony that I'm about to go through, is there another way? And, and he realized that there wasn't. And he prays this prayer a few times in the other Gospels. You can read it. And he says, all right, God, I'm in. Not my will, but your will be done. And friends, Jesus is the model for us. If we want to live an all-in life, for God, if we want to live an all-in life for Jesus, it may, do, it may mean doing things that we don't want to do. It may mean doing things that we don't want to do. You know, God has gifted some people with passions and gifts and, and abilities. Um, he's actually give, gifted everybody with gifts and passions, but we're all different. And some people are passionate about this, and other, some people are gifted in that, and some people are... Uh, are super excited about that thing and they go on and do it. But there's things that, that, that God wants us all to do. No matter our passion, no matter our gifting, no matter um, our title, there's things that God wants every Christian to do. And some of those things can be difficult for us. But God wants us to do it because if we want to be, a, and if we want to live an all in life, it says, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to lay down my agenda. I don't want to choose your agenda for my life. Sometimes we need to do things that we don't want to do. Let me give you some examples. The first one's this. Loving people who are hard to love. <laughs> loving people who are hard to love. I want to give you five. The first one's that. Loving people that are hard to love. You know, some people are just really loving and really accepting and, 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 and they're just great people, but, but other, others of us find it hard to accept and hard to love and and particularly when people hurt us, when people are a bit prickly, when, when, when people are a bit un, unloving toward us, it can be hard to love them. But if you want to be an all-in follower of Jesus, it means saying, God, I want to live your way. Help me to love people that, may, that, that are hard to love. Help me to love people that have hurt me. Help me to love those who are prickly. In life, we need to do things. If you want to follow Jesus and be all-in, we need to do some things that we don't want to do, and that can be the first one, loving people that are hard to love. The second one, prayer. You know, there's some who are intercessors. There's some who just love to pray, but most of us, is, prayer is a struggle. But if we want to live an all-in life for Jesus, we need to be a people of prayer, all of us. The Bible says pray continually, pray with thanksgiving, Commit your request to God. The, the Lord's Prayer, asking God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Ask God for your needs that he'll protect you from the enemy. The Bible is full of prayers and God wants us to be people of prayer. If you want to be all in and all in life for God and all in life for Jesus, we need to be people of prayer. That's the second thing. Third one, if we want to live an all in life, it means that God wants us to share our faith with others. And, and, he, and, and if that makes you uncomfortable, Man, that is the thing that I reckon God, God really wants you to do. You know, there's, there's some people who are evangelists that find sharing Jesus natural. But for most people, it's not natural. But that doesn't mean we don't do it. If we want to live an all-in life, it means laying down the fear. It means laying down the fear of rejection. 
and, and the pride of what are people going to think about me? And said, all right, God, I'm going to take the opportunities that come. We're going to pray for opportunities. And when the opportunity comes to share our faith, we're going to tell that person what God has done in my life. We're going to tell them our story of transformation, what our life was like before we were a Christian, what Jesus did and what our life is like now. We're going to be deliberate in sharing our faith. That's the third thing. You may not want to share your faith, but if you want to live an all-in life, that's what God wants you to do. That's the life he wants you to live. The fourth thing, he wants you to grow to maturity. You know, you might be happy where you are. Maybe you followed Jesus for a couple of years or maybe 30 years, and you're happy just to stay where you are. But let me tell you, God's not finished with you yet. He wants to continue to grow you in your knowledge, in your love, and in your faith. And I reckon a massive key to maturity is faith. The the greater trust you have in God, the the more mature that you are. I'll say that again. The greater faith you have in God, the more mature that you are. Faith and maturity goes together. When we are free people of faith, we have less fear. When When we're people of faith, we don't rely on ourselves, we, we rely on God. When we're people of faith, we step out and we believe God for the next thing. The fourth thing is about growing to maturity. God wants us to keep on growing, keep on moving in our faith, keep on growing to maturity. You may not want to change, but God wants you to change. And the fifth thing I want to bring to you about doing things that you may not want to do is around encouraging other believers. You know, you are part of a church community. If you're a Christian, you're part of God's church. And God wants you investing in the lives of other people, in those that are younger than you, our kids. And if you're doing that, thank you for investing in kids. If you're one of our youth leaders, thanks for investing in our youth. If you're an an adult and investing in our young adults, thank you for that. Or if you're investing in another adult in a mentoring relationship, if you're getting alongside as a coach, if you're a support, that's exactly what God wants us to be doing. He wants us to be investing in other Christians, that we may encourage one another. In Hebrews 10, in verse 25, it says, Do not give up meeting together if some are in the habit of doing, but rather encourage one another daily and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds as we see the day, the day of Jesus' return approaching. You know, God wants us to be involved with other Christians and encourage him. And and for that to happen, we need to be involved in their lives. Let me encourage you, if you're not in a life group, to get in a life group or a small group. In our church, we call them life groups. Other churches call them small groups or Bible study groups or connect groups. They're they're smaller groups where we pray together, where we open God's word together, and we encourage each other as we share stories of life. God wants us to encourage one another. And you may, not feel, you may not feel like doing that. Maybe you've been hurt by church. Maybe people have let you down and you want to isolate yourself and do the Christian journey on your own. But that's not how God designed it. He wants you to be in community so that you can be a blessing to others and encourage others. You know what? If you want to be an all-in Christian, it may mean doing things you don't want to do. I've listed five. Loving people that are hard to love. Prayer. Sharing your faith. Growing to maturity, maturity, and the fifth one is around encouraging other believers. But there's many more. There's many more things that God wants you to do. And maybe you're already doing those things. Maybe you're already deliberate about those five things. But what is the thing for you? So as we come to the end of this message, two questions. Number one is this. What is God wanting you to do that you don't want to do? Maybe it's one of those things I mentioned, or maybe it's something else. And in a moment, I'm going to give you some time to pray and wait. 
and to wait on the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? What is the thing that I'm struggling with? And maybe, I've, maybe the Spirit of God's already highlighted it as I've been talking today. What is the thing that God wants you to do that you don't want to do? And the second question is this, what are you going to do about it? This first question is about getting real. One of our values as a church is getting real. What is, it, what is the thing that God wants you to do? And our second value is around taking action. What are you going to do about it? You know, I'm going to give you some time, 30 seconds now, to pray and to wait on God and ask Him to speak about what He wants you to do that you don't want to do and then choose what you're going to do about it. Take some time and process that now. Father, I pray and I want to thank you, God, that you've spoken to your people. I thank you that you show us by your spirit the way you want us to live, the the, the changes you want us to make. And Father, I pray now that you would give us a, a passion and a deliberateness, that you would transform our mind and our heart to desire to do the things that you want us to do. Father, I pray that you would by the spirit of fear over our lives and that you would give us the Holy Spirit of power that we may do the thing that you want us to do. Father, give us all that we need. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, the first step of living an all-in life is to choose Jesus as your Savior and Lord and the one you want to live for. And if you're here today and you're listening to this message online and you have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to become a Christian, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, that is the most important decision that you could ever make. And that is a decision that is a decision that's going to hopefully last all the days of your life. And, and, and we want to help you live that life. That is all in for Jesus. If you're watching this online, click on the prayer tab and you can tell someone you prayed the prayer and, and we'll help you take steps to live an all-in life for Jesus. And if you're, in the, if you're in the room, I encourage you to go to our Start Here desk or come forward for prayer or tell the person who invited you today that you prayed the prayer to become a Christian because we want to help you live an all-in life. As we come to the end of this message, just imagine, friends, imagine what our church will be like if we all were deliberate about the thing that God wants us to do that we don't want to do if we're more deliberate in sharing our faith, if we were more deliberate in prayer, if we're more deliberate in growing to maturity, if we're more deliberate in loving people who are a bit prickly or a bit hard to love, imagine the difference it would make to this community. Imagine the difference it would make to this city and to this nation as we live the life that God wants us to live. Let's live lives that are all in. God bless you. Thanks for being part of it.
Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 